which might sound like, uh, if you had to guess what word that might describe, any thoughts there? Prophecy, Prophecy, absolutely, yes, okay. Uh, So, question, what comes to your mind when you think of a prophet and prophecy? That's a very adequate answer, incomplete but adequate, yeah. Yep. Assumption. Assumption. Okay. Proclaiming the revelation of God. Mm-hmm. A water that's maybe more of a prophetic picture. Yeah, that, that's good. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, we s- talked about stoning, speaking a word to a people. That sounds pretty Old Testament prophety. Uh, you know, God definitely raised up some old covenant prophets who they got the very actual inspired authoritative words of God and spoke those to people. And it was you listened to them, you obeyed, period. And they were right, period. And if they weren't, if a prophet said, hey, yeah, do this or this is going to come to pass, and that doesn't come to pass, God's answer to that person was stone him because he is not speaking for me. So that is pretty high-level, serious business. You know, if you hear that, you'd probably say, oh, therefore prophecy is something I will never get near. <laughs> Might not even want to listen to it. That's a little too high of a, of a jumping-in point. So uh, here's the good news. That's not what I'm encouraging you to move towards i think if uh, we trace god's plan through the scriptures we would see the inspired mouthpieces for god in the old covenant were the prophets in the new covenant it's the apostles first and foremost jesus even called an apostle in hebrews i think if you looked at second uh, peter three verse two that might be of some value in thinking that that might be a biblical conclusion to draw because that says uh, you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandment of the lord through your apostles you know so peter links old testament prophets new testament apostles together as the revelatory authoritative stream of god's truth Uh, and yet um in the old covenant one of the prophets joel definitely said, you know what, things are going to change, though. In the latter days, when the Spirit's poured out on all flesh, your sons and your daughters will prophesy. So he seems to be opening the door much more wide than just the few authoritative mouthpieces that God had been speaking through throughout the, the time up until then. And that shouldn't surprise us, because when the new covenant comes, a lot of things change. You know, under the old covenant, we wouldn't be here on a Sunday morning. We would have been Shabbat Shalom from sundown Friday to sundown Saturday. Uh, if anybody brought uh, anything out of the ocean or the sea for potluck today, that would not have happened. You know, uh, well, all sorts of things changed. Yeah, maybe maybe those. There you go. So that 
bitterness of sin and all those things kind of sounds like sacrifice, right? If this was Old Covenant times, we'd probably have an altar somewhere that we'd be burning stuff on, and I don't think we're going to do that. And we don't need to do that. God doesn't want us to do that. So things change. God doesn't change. God's purposes don't change. The way things look, the packaging it comes in can change. So, to make it clear then, New Covenant prophecy, it's not scripture like an authority or inspiration. It's something different. So don't hear the argument that says, well, you know, we got the closed canon of the scripture, therefore we don't need prophecy. Well, the closed canon of scripture says you need prophecy. So if you want to honor the Bible, don't put a period on Revelation. Put a period on God's authoritative revelation of scripture-like quality and then say, now, based on that, God wants revelation to continue. And he wants it to continue through many, many, many people, not a select few of super leaders. So then what is prophecy? I would say prophecy is a revelation. If it's not revelatory, it's not prophecy. It might be helpful. You might have something encouraging to say to somebody. That's great. That's of God's spirit too. But if it's not a revelation, it's, it's not prophetic. It's not prophecy. So it's a revelation, and it can be really strong, can be really weak. You know, it might be an impression. I kind of feel like God's revealing this to me. I kind of sense it somewhere. I don't have a real clear picture of it, and that might make it trickier to go with, but that's all right. So it's a revelation from God, which is then filtered through a fallible person. So the revelation from God is never wrong. It's always accurate. It's always for the purpose that he wants it to be. We might mess it up sometimes. We might get it and it comes out a little garbled or what have you. And God can still work through that or sometimes it does kind of fall you know, on good seed, but the soil just or the, the planter wasn't quite right and therefore it, it didn't really take root. But you know, God is bigger than that even. Uh, so I would say this. You don't got to worry about being stoned. We are all free to prophesy, expecting to make some mistakes and trusting that God is big enough, wise enough, compassionate enough, resourceful enough to still make things work out. So that's kind of some foundational stuff. Uh, Then if we move to the value of prophecy, a big verse would be 1 Corinthians 14, 3 and 4. If anyone has a Bible handy, they might want to read that for us. It seems that that's the case, yeah. Yes, that is. Yep. So Levi said he's open to someone else beating him to it, so if you beat him, you can let it fly. Three and four. Okay, so the words in my translation there are encouragement, upbuilding, and consolation. So if you get a revelation from God, 
that's meant for those around you, and it's going to encourage, upbuild, or console a person or group of people, you've got prophecy, and you've got something really good. Um, and you might say, okay, well, you know, what, what makes prophecy different, better than other spiritual gifts? Well, here's what I would say. All spiritual gifts build up. You know, if someone has the gift of hospitality and they're getting a potluck ready, that's helpful. We need that. But if you have prophecy, you can get what's on God's heart for a person or a group of people right at this moment. You know, what does God want for you right now? And that's huge. Uh, if Levi read verse 5 from that chapter, we would hear something else here regarding tongues still. Yeah. Okay. So, we kind of had some tongues worshiping earlier. Who in here believes they have the gift of tongues? Yeah, that's a good thing. We need that to build ourselves up, but prophecy builds up others. And that's kind of God's goal, right? You get strong so that you can build others up. So, tongues are awesome. I love tongues, but prophecy is of more value. And you might say, well, you know, God says in Corinthians that he gives the gifts to whom he wills, therefore I'll just sit back, wait for it. If he gives it, that's great. If he doesn't, that's cool. That is not the attitude that God wants us to take. You know, in verse 1 of Corinthians 14, Paul says, earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you might prophesy. And I think the especially is because prophecy takes God's heart and gets it right to people, what they need, where they need it. And notice, it's an eager desire. If you say, well, I'd like lunch after this. I'm not going to walk all the way upstairs, though. I'll plop down here. Maybe someone will bring a plate down for me. If they do, I'd love that. It's probably not going to happen, though. If you want lunch... Take some steps to move towards lunch. So if you want prophecy, take some steps. Earnestly desire it. T test your heart. How, when's the last time I've just cried out to God, man, I don't have this and it would really help people. Give it to me. Or I have it, but what if my gift got stronger? That would be so huge for others. And another value of prophecy is that it calls unbelievers to account. If Levi gives us verse 24, we might hear that. So there's a lot of people this morning out in the world who what's on their mind is the Vikings, lunch, nice walk on a nice day, and they did not choose to come here or any church this morning. 
and they just think it's whatever. But if you, they do stumble in here sometime and someone gives them a prophetic word that lays their heart bare, that's going to probably get their attention. They're going to say, wow, there's something real here. This isn't just religious mumbo-jumbo rituals, something your grandma got you into. It's like, I think God is real, and I think he's doing something here, and I think he wants to get my attention. So prophecy is huge towards that end. Uh, Let's see. Then you might say, okay, well, that's all well and good, but I've seen people do it bad. I've seen prophecy go awry. Uh, So we do need to safeguard it. So I would say if you want to hear God's authoritative voice, open up the Bible. And I've heard people say if you want to hear God's audible voice, read the Bible out loud. Yeah, that works. Um, If you are new to prophecy, it might be really exciting, and you might think, boy, this is how God speaks. This is where it's at. If you want to have a good time with God, you got to prophesy. Well, those are all good things, but we need to avoid the temptation to make the new spiritual thing the only spiritual thing. God wants prophecy to be a good part of our church here. God wants more than prophecy to be a good part of our church here. Uh, When we do gather, we need to use prophecy in an orderly manner. If uh, Levi gives us verse 31 from the great prophecy chapter, I think that could be helpful. So if you have a prophecy right now from God, you don't need to run up here, push me over and grab the mic so you can share it. It might be fun, yes, but everything can be done orderly. You can hold it. You can control when you can release it. You know, Once again, if we trust in God's sovereignty, God's goodness, God's wisdom, his compassion, he'll get his word across. You, know, you can do things in an orderly manner, and that will actually help God get his word across. The more you try and ram it through and be weird, uber-spiritual, you're actually hindering the spiritual from happening. Uh, When you prophesy, don't begin by saying, thus saith the Lord. It's not quite like that. You're not Isaiah. You're not Jeremiah. You got a legitimate revelation from God that he wants you to share, but he wants you to share it a lot more along the lines of, yeah, I just sense that this is what God uh, wants to reveal right now. Um, And then you share it, and you're open to the person testing it. And when you do hear from God properly, and you share it with someone, I can almost guarantee it's going to strike a chord in their spirit, in their heart, and they're going to be like, yeah, wow, absolutely, thank you. So you don't need to trump up your authority with big language and divine authority that's not confirmed, you just bring it, and if it's legit, God's spirit will hit it home. He'll bring the connection. And when you share the revelation you receive, you don't have to try and interpret it. You know, if you get something that's like, "Ah, I don't know, that seems so vague, seems like how could that possibly be helpful, just share that and let God's spirit be the helpful one. You don't need to say, oh, Patagonia, boy, what, 
wonder what that, oh, that's probably talking about continental shift and blah, blah, blah. And you might have wrecked the whole thing there because you thought you needed to be the interpreter. Be the messenger. God's spirit will be the interpreter. Uh, prophecy can be encouraging, upbuilding, and consoling by revealing future events. That didn't end with the Old Covenant. I'd say it's not the main thrust of New Covenant prophecy. It's a lot more arm around somebody, encouraging them that it's going to be okay. But uh, the prophet Agabus in Acts 11.28 came through and said, hey, uh, guys, there's going to be a famine coming. And the way that was upbuilding is the people who heard it said, wow, that's not good. Let's start giving money to the saints in Jerusalem, storing up stuff so that we can help them through a tough time. You know, if there's going to be a famine coming in two years and God lets you know that ahead of time, you can do a whole lot of consoling, upbuilding, and encouraging people in two years if you've gotten ready for that famine. So prophecy can tell future events, and it can be life-directional. Uh, what I would say, though, is if you get a directional prophecy, you're not obligated to obey it. It's not scripture-like in authority and, and inspiration. It is a revelation from God, but it has to be weighed, it has to be tested, it has to come to pass at the right time. So if you get a directional prophecy and your spirit's not like jumping to confirm that right, like, yeah, wow, thank you, Lord, for that wisdom, that's what I have to do, it's all right to sit on it for a while, store it away, you know, Mary, even through angelic revelation, pondered and treasured these things in her heart. You can tuck things away and say, okay, I'm not disregarding that, but I don't really know what to do with that right now. So if it's of God, he'll bring the wisdom and the further revelation at the right time for me to act on that. Um, Paul Anderson, not the apostle, likes to talk the analogy of flying with both wings. We need the gifts. We need the fruit. That's true. So prophecy is not the be-all, end-all, he said. So don't think that you can spout off prophecy like the Corinthians probably did and forget about the fruit of the Spirit like they probably did. Your church, your life's going to be a mess. You're going to hurt people more than you're going to help them. So grow in the fruit of the Spirit that you might better use the gifts of the Spirit. And... As we're flying with both wings, use every instrument of guidance that we have on our frequency dial, right? You need scripture. You need wisdom. God puts the desires of your heart in you as well. Use all of those things along with prophecy, and that's probably going to get you where God wants you to be. But if you're flying with one wing and only listening to one dial on the frequency, you might get in some trouble and you might crash, and you might bring others down with you. Um, so if we went back a chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, all about love, we'd realize that love, faith, hope, and love are what remain. Right now, we prophesy in part. So be aware of that, that as much as you are getting legitimate revelation from God, and you might have been absolutely right on the money 20 times in a row and people are immensely blessed. Your next one might be a little off. You might not hit a home run every time. You know, this uh, 
softball's done for the year, but I had a stretch this year where 14 times in a row at the plate, I got a hit. That's pretty impressive, you know. Um, but you know what happened the 15th time? I didn't get a hit, you know. And by the end of the season, I had a good average, probably 650. That's pretty good. That'll get you batting second, you know. But sure wasn't 1,000. Does that mean I can't hit a softball? No, I can hit a softball. I had a lot of success doing it. But not every time, you know. So don't shut back and pull away if you're not batting 1,000 in prophecy. Keep working. Keep listening or in anything. Absolutely. Yeah. Otherwise, you know what we'd all be doing right now? Nothing. Oh, yeah. Yes. Dribbling. Absolutely. Wow, that was maybe not prophetic, but that was some sort of spiritual encouragement right there. So we will take that. Yep. So if you get a weird prophecy like that would have been if Chad was claiming it to be prophetic, uh, Paul in 1 Thessalonians 5.20 says not to despise prophecy. The reason he has to say that is it makes sense to despise prophecy because it comes off as weird sometimes. You, you, it, you might have received prophecies that didn't come to pass, and you might say, well, then forget the whole lot, you know? If, if my hopes are getting up and they're getting dashed and I thought God wanted me to do this and it didn't work out, well, then forget it. I'll just read my Bible and I'll try and make wise choices. Well, now you've left out a lot of what God wants for you and you disobeyed your Bible. You say, oh, I'll just trust the Bible. Okay, well, the Bible says not to despise prophecy. So don't despise prophecy because it's partial. You know, if you got let down by it at some point, Try and work through that with God. Maybe he'll give you further revelation. Maybe someone will upbuild, encourage, console you in that matter. But just like you don't quit giving prophecy because you're not going to bat a thousand, don't stop receiving prophecy because you don't receive a thousand. Uh, when you prophesy, Romans 12, talking about spiritual gifts, says to do it in accordance to your faith. So if you feel like, yeah, I just got a just a little trickle of prophetic revelation that I operate in, do that and do it in that manner. If you're like, wow, you know, Bob and Levi, these guys got a pretty good stream flowing, so they should have the faith to say, I'm going to release it a little more with a little more confidence. And can God use the little trickle as much as the big stream? Absolutely he can. But operate with the amount of faith that accompanies your gift. And realize that, you know what, I probably won't be the prophet Agabus. I probably won't be Bob, and I probably won't be Levi. And that's okay. Oh, baby, huh? <laughs> um, and so while we don't despise prophecy, we do need to test and weigh prophecy. Uh, verse 29 of the Levi chapter here. We might uh, give a little input on that. That's pretty straightforward, right? Yeah, so, yep, discernment, the gift of discerning spirits. We'll get there in a second. Also, the, the requirement from God to actively engage in the process, right? You don't just sit back and say, oh, he's prophetic. He bats about 
8.30, so I, I, I can get lazy here and just soak it in. No. If one prophet's speaking, everyone, and especially other prophets, need to test that, need to weigh that. Okay, is this of God? Is, is he kind of overstepping his bounds in what he's saying here? Does this fit in with what God's been saying elsewhere? Does it fit in with the scripture? That's the first and foremost test. Because that's a real easy test. You know, last week out in North Dakota, uh, we were praying for people. You know, some people would come up. I had someone come up and say, hey, I don't want to tell you anything. You just tell me what God wants. And I'm thinking, oh, you're in the wrong line. Um, But I prayed in tongues for four seconds and then prayed for her. And I feel like God did do some upbuilding, some encouraging and whatnot. So that was good because I got a pretty trickling stream that I'm working with in that area. But I tried to use it in faith, and I think God blessed it. Uh, then I had another woman come up, and she said, Oh, yeah, I have this boyfriend, and you know, he doesn't want to get married, but blah, blah, blah. You know, it's, it's passionate lovemaking, and do you have a word from the Lord for me? I said, Hmm, I don't, and I don't need one, because I have a word from the Lord for you. Get away from him. That needs to be done. God says, Don't do sexual immorality. You know, uh, and she was, Oh, wow, okay, yeah. Uh, so that was pretty straightforward. You don't need to seek revelation on matters where God's given revelation. Prophetic revelation is for the many, many high percentage of life that the Bible doesn't give answers to. The Bible is all we need to have assurance of salvation, assurance of God's love, and the general ballpark of here's how you're supposed to live in this world. The details are... God did not inspire anyone who wrote the Bible to help you figure out to do A or B in the year 2016. So if you're looking for those kind of answers, that's going to come through the ongoing prophetic revelation, which can be of great value. But don't seek that revelation in areas where God's spoken. If God says not to do it, you don't do it. If he says to do it, you don't need to question and hem and haw and try and figure out, boy, what does God want in this situation? Um, so we test the prophecy. You wouldn't listen to Elijah and say, oh, yeah, it seems pretty good. I think I'll test that. No, you receive it, you do it, end of story. Anyone nowadays, you test it, period, end of story. And you don't just test the prophecy. You need to test the spirits as well. First John 4, 1 John 4.1, I know this is one of Bob's favorite verses of this time in life. It says, uh, boy, you might even be able to quote it for us, huh? Well, I think it says something along the lines of, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they be of God. And then the qualification of the testing is, if they confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, then that's the right spirit. That would be the Holy Spirit. But if they do not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, Yeah, so God is stronger than the devil. Wow, didn't shock anyone there, I hope. Unfortunately, in some charismatic circles, that is kind of shocking because they're all hung up on demons are doing this, that, and the other. And so, well, yes, they are, but God's in charge, you know? So God gives revelation. We should seek that. We should want that. We should desire that earnestly. Demons give revelation. We shouldn't 
walk in fear because of that and say, well, how will I ever know? Well, God's given us resources. There is a scriptural bit right there. And another gift that God gives the body is discerning of spirits. So when we act on our own, we get in trouble. But if as a group we can test and weigh and have people with gifts of discernment speak in, I got a really good hunch God's going to use revelation and prophecy for our upbuilding, encouragement, and consolation. And even if you bring something that came from a source other than God, I think God's given us the tools and his spirit to help us work through that. And we can then rise up higher in the true stream as we start to recognize the false with more clarity. So, word of caution, not to act in fear because, oh my gosh, it's so, it's so unknowable then, but to have all the more confidence in who God is in how he's watching over us and how he wants to keep things straight and helpful. But once again, it's not going to come without work on our end. And then finally, the last safeguard on prophecy is this. Well, if you do it without love, it's worthless. Chapter 13 in Corinthians, if I you know, can have faith to move mountains, if I utter prophetic mysteries, but if I don't have love, you gain nothing. You hurt people more than you help them. So if you're spouting off revelation that's legitimately from God, but you don't know how to handle it, you don't know how to position it, you don't care about the person, you care more about, well, maybe they'll realize that I'm prophetic. Uh, probably just shove that down in there until you grow in maturity and love so that you can use the gift well. So then question here, big finish here. What if I don't receive the gift? What if I'm earnestly desiring, I'm praying, God, please share it with me. I want to bless people with prophecy, and you don't get it. Well, Here's what I would say. Keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking, because we know our Father's heart. He loves to give generously. He wants people to operate in prophecy. And a lot of times he just wants you to dig a little deeper, draw a little nearer to him, and keep crying out. I would say until you get a Apostle Paul thorn in the flesh, eh, God says, don't ask me about that anymore. I would say until you get that level of certainty from God, never stop asking for the gift of prophecy. Keep at it. You know, you might be in your 50s and not have it. Well, keep asking. You know? um, but be open to this. 1 Corinthians 12, kind of talking about the Spirit giving out the gifts as he will for the benefit of the body. And then towards the end of that chapter, Paul kind of says, are all apostles? No. Are all prophets? The implied answer is no. So you don't need to be prophetic you need the gift of prophecy operating in your Christian sphere. If, it's, if you have nowhere where you can receive revelation for the here and now, you've got to either soften your heart or broaden your sphere of Christians because you're missing out. You need it. But if seven people in this room can bring it and the rest can't, we're going to be okay. So if you're earnestly seeking but God's not giving it to you, not all are prophets. It's all right then what you can do is use the gifts you have, hospitality, encouragement, teaching, event, whatever you've got, use your gifts as a part of the body, doing your part, and receive the gift of prophecy without being jealous. 
And then I would lastly say, this is the big finish, because you always got to get the big finish, focus on Jesus, right? So you need to value the giver or the gift will be worthless in the end. Parable Jesus gave, you know, Matthew seven twenty two, last day judgment, people coming up to him. Oh, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Cast out demons. He doesn't say, well, you actually didn't. He says, yeah, you did. But guess what? I never knew you. You didn't have my life in you. You did real things in my name, but you weren't of me. You're not connected to God through me. I'm not the greatest thing in your life that you would lay everything else down for, including all the powerful, miraculous stuff you did. So let's keep that always in focus, that if we've got Jesus and nothing else, we've got it all. If we've got every spiritual thing, but we don't have Jesus, it's all going to come crumbling down in the end. So he's where it's at, period. Comma. Small group time. First Bob time, yes. it in to keep things safe on it, but if anybody has any thoughts or comments on what was just shared or prophecy, I think it would be good to share that right now. So anybody have a lead yet? Uh, no, I just wanted to say bravo too. Um,
Let me say something that that spurred in me there. Um, yeah, you talked about like a hard prophecy or whatever. Prophecy does not always have to be cuddly. Uh, sometimes the way to encourage and upbuild someone is to say, boy, I sure don't really want to say this, but I really feel that God wants them to hear this. And you say, hey, um, yeah, I really feel like God's wanting you to know that this path you're on in life, it's leading to destruction and you need to get off it, you know. Um, that can be immensely upbuilding for somebody. It might save their soul, you know. Um, so, absolutely, we need that. I would just give this maybe balanced thought. Um, if your main niche in your prophetic revelation is always giving it to people, getting them back on the straight and narrow, then I would say I think you're missing something. I think you need to open your reception channel a little wider because God probably wants more of the tender arm around cuddly stuff and some of the in-your-face jab them in the chest with your finger. But if that's your default in prophecy, I got a hunch you're missing it a little bit. Yes, uh, that's awesome. We don't all need the gift of prophecy. Always, and those kind of words are dangerous. So I'm going to move in that direction here. We all need to hear God's voice in our own lives. That's scripture, right? You know, I will guide you with my counsel, not just with the words I wrote two and six, four thousand years ago, right? So I, I absolutely agree with that, Levi. We all need divine, supernatural, here and now revelation from God for us, kind of like a real relationship, like, yeah, God, you aren't taking a nap until Jesus comes back. You know, you're not just kind of spinning the world on your finger, but you are actively engaged in my life. I'm actively engaged in submitting to you, walking with you, having a conversation with you, and that doesn't need to be as bizarre as some people make it out to be, you know. The fact that Jeremy, Robin, and I are all wearing trendy blue things today, it's not because we sat down and listened for the voice of God before we put our shirt on this morning. I would say be open to revelation about everything, but expect to make most decisions in your life without concrete divine, you know. God says be modest in how you dress and be thankful for his provisions. And if you like blue, wear blue. You know, that's the way life often works while you're open to divine revelation because 
I met someone who I feel had an influential place in his life once because of the shirt I wore. I didn't choose it that morning. God's sovereign over that. But maybe someday he will tell you, wear that shirt, and it'll be a gateway into someone's life. So yes, absolutely. It's not the prophet's responsibility. It's our responsibility, first and foremost. They come alongside of, and let me add this. When you do receive a prophecy and you believe that's of God, pray, 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 pray. How does God want to bring that prophecy into fruition? Probably through a lot of prayer. You know, Abraham received a promise from God. He says, yeah, okay, I'm going to give you a son. You're going to have more descendants than the stars in the sky. And it was hard because it looked like it wasn't going to come to pass. So probably a lot of legitimate prophecies will look like they will not come to pass. And your job is not to lose heart and say, well, they probably missed it there. Your job is to say, no, I I really believe that was of God, and I'm going to pray into that all the more. I wouldn't say that the Bible says it's okay to be wrong in prophecy, but Paul lays out kind of ground rules for dealing with prophecy that has the underlying assumption the reason you test it, the reason you weigh it, 
is because it might be wrong. And for sure, it's in part. And we prophesy in part. So um, it's okay to not be okay, I guess is how I would answer that. I mean, is it okay that every one of us still sins? No, but yes, you know, because of Jesus, you know. Um, so is it okay to be wrong? No, it's it's not, but it is, you know, because God's got us covered, you know. So don't brush your sin under the rug and say, oh, who cares? It's no big deal. Jesus paid. It's a huge deal. If you give a incorrect, incomplete prophecy, don't say, oh, whatever, we prophesy in part. It, it should sting you a little, and you should talk to God and try and figure, okay, well, did I do something wrong? How do I need to, you know? Um, but it's okay, because we can work through this. God's bigger than your mess up on that prophecy attempt. And an apostle couldn't have been wrong. You know, if Paul wrote things that were not divinely and so that would have been the correlation of you know old covenant prophets so there were false apostles going around who were preaching a false gospel saying and they weren't stoned but they were cut off disregarded they have no authority here you know so that i think it's important to keep that old covenant prophet new covenant apostle revelatory stream linked together and new covenant prophecy it's a new sort of thing where there's a lot less at stake so it's it's not okay to be wrong but it's okay to be wrong Wow, that's usually your bit. Um, hmm. Let's have you do that. Uh, and while Bob's making the long walk up here, let me even take what he said one step further. Maybe not even be open to, but why don't we all just do this? Why don't the people you're grouped up with, why don't you take six, seven, 13 seconds and pray and then just try and be still and just ask God, is there anything you want me to reveal to this person? And if not, great. If so, greater. Thanks, Joe. So, Lord, bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for coming.